many things to be balanced. This here podcast is for a little bit of this and a little bit of that. You never know, we might be talking about spirituality and wellness, relationships, whatever it is that you do to get your money, be it working somewhere, be it running your own thing, be it having a side hustle, it's all good over here. We are getting organized, we are handling our time management better, and we are having fun through it all. Because over here, it's all love, all light, and good vibes only. So, if you are interested in living, laughing, and learning, growing, and glowing, drinking your water, and minding your own business, this is the perfect place for you. Hi, I'm Tiff, and welcome to the Life Unscripted Podcast. Building a brand and operating a business can get a little hectic sometimes. I mean, there's a million things to do and you only have two hands, but not to fret. I've got some goodies for you. I want you to visit organizedenergy.co slash spill the tea. Organizedenergy.co slash spill the tea. I have curated a list of some of the favorite tools and resources that I use as I operate my business that have been amazing for me. They have helped me to save time. They have helped me to build my team. They have helped me to stay connected with my people. And I absolutely love so many of these tools. I want to share them with you and it's free to download. So again, go to Organized Energy co slash spill the tea so that I can help you get started working smarter and not harder. So many of us have heard of the great resignation and many of us have also become aware of people around us might be you that um, has launched your own small business And I want to make sure that I am helping you guys to be equipped with what you need to be successful um, as you go on these journeys. So what we're going to do is to have a small series where I'll be highlighting some of my favorite tools that I use that helps me to run my brand, my businesses a little bit easier. Um, As you know, I recently uh, published a few books and rolled out some new programs um, that will also help you guys um, in your ventures. But going through the process of writing and publishing the books and rolling out the online programming and some of the other tools and resources that I have available to you, I came across some amazing tools that I fell in love with. So I want to introduce them to you. So one by one, as we do this series, I'm going to highlight one category at a time. Just give you a brief um, synopsis and explanation for why I think you should give this particular category of tools and resources um, a try. All right. So that's what we're going to be talking about coming right up.
Hey, you guys, and thank you for joining us for another edition of the Life Unscripted podcast by Organized Energy. I'm your girl, Tiff. Hopefully before the end of this show, you will also be calling me your besties. That's what I like. I like having besties in boo. Um, so you guys, this is new for me to be on the camera. Usually I'm just behind the mic, um, but this is a very special occasion. Um, I'm doing something different, y'all. I hope y'all are trying something different too this year. So um, this is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm coming in front of the camera now. And so um, this month we are highlighting like amazing trailblazers in the African-American community. And um, so all month long, I've been bringing different professionals and, and, and just kind of introducing people to you guys. And so today is no different. Here's someone special that I want to introduce you guys to. We come from the same hood and it's crazy. We come from the same neighborhood and really don't even know each other. So this is going to be great to have this conversation. Um, so today I have to, for you guys to meet Clyde Pickett. He is someone that you should know. So Clyde, welcome. Thank you for yeah, being absolutely. here. All right. just thank you for the invitation. I'm, I'm glad to be with you. Glad to spend some time with your audience and excited about all we can discuss today. Yes. So, um, Clyde, so I kind of briefed you a bit and, you know, and for you guys that are watching or listening, however you're getting this, because some are watching on video and some are catching the audio version of the podcast. But um, as I was explaining to you and, and, and you guys, if you've been following, you know, I've been highlighting um, incredible Black Americans um, who've been just trailblazers doing things, you know, I want to say that we're Black history in the making. And um, what's really special about Clyde um, for me is that um, he is a homegrown hero. You know, he's somebody that I can say, you know, a lot of times we see people's uh, glory and we don't know their story. And I don't know Clyde's story either, um, but we all come from something. And some people just come from you know, wealth and they have a silver spoon that were, you know, they were born with it in their mouth, you know, and then some of us have to work our way, you know, to wherever it is that we're destined to be. And so I know exactly where I come from, you know, and I'm always proud to share that, you know, um, I was born and raised, you know, I was living in the projects in the, you know, beginning and then moved to a different area of town um, and still wasn't in the best area, but I had a great, you know, it was okay. Like I'm good, you know, no, no trauma or anything like that, but all that being said, it's great to see where we can start and where we can go, you know, how far and how God can use us and all the things we can do with making positive impact. And Clyde, I have followed you, you know, on social media platforms over the years and you just, I see you just move around and around, you know, you're always, you know, you're doing great things. I love it that I see you on travel excursions and it doesn't have to be that there's like this big crowd to accompany you, you know, it looks like you can enjoy your you know, time on your own, you can explore your own. These are incredible things. So tell me more about your journey. Like what, what, what got you started going in the trajectory that you're going in? What got you started with, with, with your career field and, and, you know, and some of those things, some of those passions that you have. Absolutely. Well, certainly appreciate the opportunity to spend some time with you to tell more about my story. And of course, to, to engage and, and to, help others think about how our stories are all connected. You know, as we're in the midst of, of Black History Month, and as we queued up the conversation and talked about just a bit, uh, our stories are, are impactful and powerful. And quite often, we're limited in the stories that we hear. Um, um, Black History Month, as we know, was started uh, as Negro History Week by Dr. Carter G. Woodson. And Dr. Carter G. Woodson reminded us that our stories, our experiences are worth more than any monetary amount. So it's important and critical for us to tell our stories and to think about 
uh, how we are examples for our people and how they can call upon our experiences to gain confidence and to move forward. And so uh, my story um, has its roots in, in Louisville, our, our hometown, obviously. And so uh, like, like a number of us um, moved around to different places of the city. So I, I claim Louisville in its broadest context as my home. And so I am a historian admittedly of the city and can tell you a little bit about every part of Louisville, whether it's Little Africa, um, uh, Black Parkland, or Smoketown, or Petersburg, or Newburgh, or all those parts of the city, I can tell you about a number of them because I believe in knowing more uh, about them. So, you know, grew up in Louisville, uh, grew up in um, different parts of the city, originally from the West End, and so uh, that's a part of the town that uh, I always claim, and uh, uh, spent time, of course, out in the Newburgh area as well. Um, and so was educated in the public school system. And uh, that was a major significant force in my experience, having the opportunity to be around different kinds of people uh, and to really um, see the city for what it was to get better experiences and um, to then launch myself uh, to education. And so I went to Central High School in Louisville, which for those uh, who might not be aware is a historically black high school. And so uh, that foundation uh, and understanding the context of what it means to be a fourth generation um, um, individual who attended that school, uh, set up this idea that we are part of legacy. And so uh, I think it's that legacy and connection to education that um, ultimately launched my career. Now, I will tell folks and people who know me uh, know that uh, when I was in school, uh, while I've always been intelligent, I guess I wasn't the most focused or uh, mm -hmm. present of students at the time. And so, you know, I think telling your story is important because for others who are coming after you and particularly young folks, uh, knowing that um, you have an opportunity to, you know, change and tell your own story uh, and invest in your own education. And I think those things are very important. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm really big on storytelling. And that's what I do. Like I help people tell their story through podcasting or writing their own book. And um, storytelling is absolutely critical uh, to people that are coming behind you. You're absolutely right. And so um, what started, what made you go in the field that you went in, you know, as far as um, education? I know that you've kind of been at various universities. Tell us some of the universities you've been in and the impactful work that you've done at each one, or, or just, you don't have to do each one, but, you know, just in general, you know, what is it that you do or have done at the universities? Yeah, we, we can give a couple of snapshots. Yeah. So I think one of the, the ways that I started this work was my time at the University of Kentucky. So as an undergrad, um, I started my education and worked for what was then the Office of Minority Affairs. Um, at, at, where, at where, at what school? Uh, at the University school? of Kentucky. At, at what school? <laughs> is that a school? Is that, a, is that even a school or what? What, are, what is it? Absolutely. Is it, a, so, is it a place? So, so we have to, for, for those of us who are um, from the state of Kentucky, we have to realize uh, that continuing <laughs> our education uh, would not be integrated were it not for the lawsuit uh, of the University of Kentucky, which actually, as we think of Black, Black History Month, um, uh, Dr. Lyman T. Johnson, who sued to integrate the University of Kentucky, ultimately triggered uh, a number of the other schools to um, begin to let Black folks take advantage of the education. Um, and so my experience at the university is connected to that in some ways. So at the time at the university, I was president of our Black Student Union, and 
participated in the 50 year desegregation celebration of the university. And I think that experience working directly with other senior administrators uh, in my capacity uh, helped provide a blueprint that this education piece and to make change at educational institutions uh, was something that one could go into a career for. And so I started there, um, I moved and started my career initially uh, working in the corporate space, but had this pull to be a part of the academy. And so uh, I worked um, after I completed my master's degree at Ohio Northern University. And this was a transformational experience. And, and so one of the examples that I always share with folks who are looking to you know, expand their career, put yourselves in positions that will launch your career to go further. And here's what I mean by that. This particular career uh, endeavor uh, was in a rural place uh, where there were not many of us, but it gave me the opportunity to step into a position that gave me resources, mm -hmm. autonomy, and authority to make change. I came into that position as a uh, mid-20s individual who could be a director across a university and to make significant change. And, and because of that experience, it really put my career path um, on a, a fast track. And so I had the opportunity to work at this university to oversee campus diversity and begin to move programs across that university that are in place now. So while there, we reestablished a multicultural center uh, we established a scholarship for students. We developed and put in place a memorial for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, and we also, and most transform transformationally, were able to advance the number of students, particularly Black students at the uni this university, but increase the graduation rate. And for that, I'm always uh, appreciative of because that is something um, that, you know, as we think about our place. I was able to, to lend my support and to galvanize university resources to help more students get their education, particularly black students. And so I'm always proud of that. That is something especially to be proud of. And I, one thing um, in America, in our society, one thing, one thing for you guys who may not know, or you might can tell, I don't know, but Clyde is multi is multi ethnic and uh, or or biracial, or I don't know the the politically correct way to say. And I think that that is so incredible. Um, there are people that could go one way. Some people identify one way or another, and it's great that you have uh, grasped, like you you know you embrace. Um, your your blackness you know as well um my family is like my siblings are biracial you know like so it's not but it's it's incredible some people shun one side or the other you know and it's great that you embrace it all and I think that you are like the epitome you know your diversity you know and it's great that this is something that I know that <clears throat> from following you not knowing you up close that you are complete like you are so passionate about this um as i see some of the things that you do online some of your um you know work that you share and and i absolutely love that you that you do that um i'll just say that um and so have you ever needed to have you ever have you always been seen as a black man you not you mean you're you're biracial how do you identify or how have you been approached or treated? Have, how do people see you, I guess, is what I want to say there. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, for instance, no, this is, yeah. yeah, yeah thank you, Tiff. I, I mean, I think this is an excellent opportunity for, for me to cue up some of the work that, that I'm doing. 
Uh, and so I, I have a forthcoming book that's called Primary Identity. And Primary okay. Identity focuses on um, how we internally rationalize and experience race, but how outside forces, and particularly society, uh, really determines your primary identity. Okay. And so for, for me, growing up uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, there, there was no choice. Um, uh, because of, of the neighborhood I lived in, the neighborhoods I lived in, and our experiences, uh, my brother and I, who are racially um, um, identified as, as biracial, multiracial, et cetera, uh, by society standards, we were Black. And okay. so there was no opportunity for us to explore other parts of identity, um, even though, you know, visually, I'm, I'm lighter, um, but when I'm in the community, um, you know, clearly, um, I'm connected with Black identity. And so I think that primary identity that we think about is the identity that society puts focus on. Now, I will say this. I think it's been interesting for me to observe that others have had the opportunity to explore in different ways multiracial identity. That, that didn't exist um, when I was coming up. And, and part of it, I think, is geography. Part of it is my age and the fact that, you know, I think there was not as much opportunity to explore that. Um, and so I think as we examine that racial identity specifically, there's been a long history of individuals, particularly in the, the landscape of, of Black culture and Black identity, who have been, quote unquote, multiracial or biracial, but have exclusively identified or most prominently identified with their Black side. And so I, I think those individuals resonate for me. I think uh, whether it's uh, Barack Obama or August Wilson, we know racially, uh, purely on a categor categorical standpoint, they could point to the fact that they are indeed multiracial, but are, are Black in their cultural experiences. And so that would be my experience. Culturally, uh, I have never been immersed in or felt like I was uh, white or could connect culturally in that way. Now, yeah. of course, music we can participate in and we can experience but I think for me, I've always been connected with and experienced Black culture. And I think for us, uh, and I'll talk a bit about this in my book, uh, because of that, you have to um, amplify and in different ways focus in on that cultural experience. It's the, why, it's the reason why I think that August Wilson was so transformational in amplifying the Black experience in his plays. Uh, because you're immersed in and have to focus on that blackness from both sides, whether it's your pull to try to be more connected to black culture or whether it's um, the push from white or the dominant culture to push you towards your blackness. Uh, at the time when I was growing up and I think the experiences um, that uh, are emerging from the work of August Wilson, you have to focus on blackness. And so uh, I think in many ways, that's what helped mold me and helped shape me and why you hear and see those things in the work that I do, what I say, and how I experience uh, the world. So, so my siblings are biracial, um, and they live in New Mexico, with my, like, or well, one's in California now, but, um, and they are in a predominantly uh, Caucasian um, area. So that's kind of, um, that's who their friends and all that would, would have, you know, what's what they would, would have experienced. Um, I've, so two questions. Have you ever experienced racism within your own culture as if to say you're not black enough? Like, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're too light to be one of us or you're not, you know, you know, that kind of thing um, from us 
from our, you know, from, and then also I'm not biracial, you know, so I don't, but I would I imagine that for, um, I think about kids, I am a parent and you think about, and I'm a divorced parent. So you think about a mom and a dad and a kid choosing sides, you know, kind of thing. Um, do you ever, I mean, I know you identify as black, but is it almost like an unfair thing to have to, um, and I'm black, so of course I embrace, you know, and I, and I, and I love everybody. I'm not saying it, but what I'm saying is, would you ever, do you, have you ever felt like, well, wonder what it have felt like to be equal, love both equally, you know, to experience both equally or to not care for people to not care what I am, you know, I'm a man, you know, that's what I am. I'm a human, you know, do you ever feel like you missed an opportunity to just be you or to enjoy, not only say enjoy, but embrace that you are partially Caucasian as well. You know what I mean? Like, how do you, do you feel like you missed any, you know what I mean? I I don't know if I'm wording it right, but it's like, you have to choose to be black or you are, but whether you choose it or not, you're black, you know, it's like how you, you know what I mean? But what do you, how do you, what does that feel like for you? Does that make sense what I'm saying? Sure, absolutely. Well, I, I think it's one of those things where you, you can't miss what you never had. And so yeah. I can't identify with that experience because it's, it's never been a part of my reality. I think we can watch it from the periphery. And certainly I think dominant culture, um, speaking of, um, if we identify a dominant culture, certainly um, we participate culturally on the periphery of that. And so you can experience some parts of that, but some parts you can never fully be immersed in. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that is how a number of us navigate society and culture and, and race is a factor in that. And certainly there are other um, things associated with that. In, in terms of your first question about how I've experienced what I would classify colorism, not necessarily yes, racism. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely, I've experienced colorism. And I think you know that's one of the ills, unfortunately, that that as a community, we still have to deal with. We know that colorism is real, whether or not you're perceived to be too dark or too light. Um, from a cultural standpoint, uh, we've, we've, we've dealt with and continue to deal with the impacts of colorism. And so, of course, in a number of situations, uh, I've been in, in, in positions where folks question my, my blackness. Um, and, and it's happened in, in different forums. It's happened recently. Um, in, in a meeting that I had with, with uh, some, some folks who are affiliated with the university um, in the work that we're doing to support our students who you know, visually see me uh, and, and make comments like, not everyone who is black is black. And, and I know that it was a comment that was directed towards me. And part of it was because of my position at the university, the work that I do, and the fact that we can't always accommodate every request. We do what I what we can, and specifically, I do what I can to make um, any provisions or support I can for for our community. Um, but that doesn't mean I have in my role or in the work that we do carte blanche access to do Absolutely. everything. Absolutely, <laughs> and so that's a reality. And so I think it comes out in different ways. That makes me uh-huh. so upset when I'm here. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, but I'm, I mean, because I have siblings too. You know what I mean? It just, but keep going. I'm sorry. That's. Oh, no, it's fine. I mean, I think, I think each of our experience is different. I think one of the things that I've learned uh, in my review uh, and study of, of our culture, of Black culture specifically, is that there's no singular experience. Um, I think when I was a younger man uh, coming from, you know, an urban area, I thought that was the Black experience. And I think part of that is because society uh, teaches you to think so. And the way we're socialized, 
much like we see on television, there is a singular black experience. And so going to um, a, a university, going and experiencing different things, traveling abroad, you talked about my travel experiences, um, you see there's no monolithic experience. I think there is a connectedness with black identity that we share with folks globally, that diaspora. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I've experienced that all over the world, whether you know I've been in, in France, whether I've been in Thailand, whatever, whatever I've been, or wherever I've been, Cuba, for instance, there is a connectedness oh, with the identity that exists. Yes. Um, and so I think, you know, absolutely I've experienced colorism, um, but I, it, it never detoured me um, from connecting with my black identity or exploring the different nuances of black culture. So when you're, I'm sorry, do you still have your mother with you or have you? My mother is still with us. Okay, I didn't want to assume, I'm so sorry. Um, so uh, how, so with her, what has her experience been being that she has two black boys, two black sons? Um, yeah. Well, I, you know, I think obviously um, I can only speak for some of the things she shared with me. I can never fully uh, speak to her experience. Um, and I think it's a powerful one. So, so my mother is, uh, was a public educator uh, who actually taught um, in um, a school that was in, uh, in close proximity to housing projects uh, in Louisville. Um, and so she was immersed in black culture all the time. And I think because she was married to a black man, uh, she had more insight into the black community. Uh, so culturally in many ways, I think her upbringing and experience were separate, but I think she had a different look and a view because while we were together, um, she experienced from both sides, obviously, um, an understanding that you are raising two uh, young black men. Um, and what that means and what that entails is very different. Um, our experiences and the way we um, have access to the world have always been different. We would be in stores together and folks would be looking at us or we would be on public transportation. We took the bus often and people would ask us, who's that white woman with you? And so it would be a different experience. And I, I can't imagine how she experienced that, knowing that she birthed us, knowing that, that we were her children, but because of our visual identity and my brother is darker than I am, um, this experience in some ways uh, that we weren't connected to her. And so I think it's propelled her in many ways to be uh, an activist and to speak out uh, and to challenge uh, those who question uh, and confront black culture, um, to confront the realities that, that young black men, young black people for that matter, experience. I know she was definitely an advocate uh, in the classroom and in schools to advocate for her students um, and to continue to push them uh, and challenging, you know, the experiences that were that were biased that they had in the school. And so, you know, I think that propelled us as well to, to be um, advocates for advancing experience. And in many ways, I think, immersed us further in the culture. Yeah, and I asked because um, Sandra Bullock comes to mind. Um, and Sandra Bullock, you know, she has adopted um, several, you know, Black children um and i've seen some of her interviews you know and of course you know i mean she has many concerns she's raising she loves her black children and, and but she knows that the world may may or may not you know and so i've you know i've seen some of the interviews where she has kept just kind of um just shared her pains as a as a white mom of black children you know and can only imagine what a black mom of black children must feel like you know especially black boys so that's why i was asking um yeah so especially with things that go on in today's world you know but on a, a lighter note 
Um, because you mentioned your travels to Cuba, especially, I absolutely love your photos that you shared online for your trip to Cuba. Um, you have, I mean, I see, you know, you go to baseball games, basketball games, you know, and go all over and do all kinds of things. So beyond the work that you do and the impact that you're making, which is incredible, what are some things that you do um, for self-care, you know, to make sure that you're okay so that you can show up to be your best for others? What do you do to take care of yourself? What do you do to relax, to enjoy, to have fun, to laugh, that kind of thing? Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you asking that. And I think critical self-care is an important component of how we have balance and can, can continue to move forward. So, you know, one of the things pre-COVID I enjoyed doing was travel. And you saw that often. Like I would post pictures. And that was just the tip of the iceberg for some of the experiences I had. You really? know, every experience that you have, you don't necessarily share. It, mm -hmm. I know as we think about social media, folks are, are more intentional about sharing. There's a balance that I have and I don't share everything. And so um, I think some experiences are private and so personal that you keep them here. Uh, yes, you don't share right. them with others. But I think uh, one of the ways during COVID I've been able to prioritize self-reflection is I carve out at least 45 minutes a day and I go for a walk. And so okay. I don't take headphones. I don't take my phone. I just go walk and experience the world. And so it's, it's allowed me to refocus uh, and to think about how we're positioned right now, what we're going through, what I'm personally experiencing and going through, uh, and really has been a way for me to recenter my experience. And um, um, after those walks, quite often I'll, I'll write things that I see. Um, and a couple of those walks, I've actually taken my camera and I've taken some pictures. I've moved away from that more so as to experience it for myself now. Uh, but it's just a way to reflect. Of course, you know, I think one of the most important things we can do as a people is focus on our health. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I prioritize my diet. I, I, um, I observed a, um, I mostly observe a vegetarian diet. Good. Uh, I gave up uh, meat a, long, uh, a number of years back as a way to, you know, center my health because so many of, of my family members were adversely impacted by diet, diabetes and hypertension. Um, I drink my water um, and I exercise. And I think those things are very important. That is drinking your water and minding your business are, is very important. <laughs> <laughs> Stealing weight moments for yourself is very important. I, I absolutely, um, absolutely. And I love to hear that because um, we know the numbers, we know the stats. Um, and what they look like for anybody these days, but especially Absolutely. for our Black men, for sure. Um, mental health and wellness, you know, physical health and wellness, you know, some of the numbers are just astonishing when compared to other groups. And so um, when I've been having these chats, I always check in with my men and asking them, you know, like, what are you guys doing? You know, um, but as we begin to wrap up, give us, I'd like for you to leave us with a couple of things, um, because I like, everyone to kind of have a takeaway. So I would like for you to, um, what's on your list? What's on your listening list and what's on your reading list? So for listening, it could be podcasts, it could be audio books, it could be music, you know, and then reading lists, what's something that you would recommend that they might pick up? What are you reading that somebody else might want to read as well? Uh, so right now I'm, I'm reading Cast by Isabella Wilkerson. So that that's a book that I would recommend and it just uh, focuses and talks about you know, disparities in society. And so that is something that, I, that I'm, I'm reading. Of course, as we're in the middle of Black History Month, I've, there are a number of books that I would recommend folks checking out. 
Uh, one of the things I would encourage folks to do is to, um, you know, check out someone and read something about um, a figure in Black history you might not be as informed or familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Paul Robeson comes to mind as someone who I think is incredibly transformational and, and not a lot of people in our community know about or of uh, Paul Robeson. So I would, I would invoke the name of Paul Robeson and encourage okay. folks to check out uh, Paul Robeson. In terms of what I'm listening to, you know, not a lot of new music right now. Um, admittedly, that's an area where I could, uh, I could, I could learn to 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 uh, to to listen to and to hear more about. In terms of um, things that I'm focusing on, it it's uh, close to March, and so I am a serious basketball fan, and so I'm watching the University of Kentucky play basketball and looking forward to seeing what they'll do in the NCAA tournament. Oh my gosh. And unfortunately, this guy goes to those games of that blue team. You all, for people that don't know, <laughs> for you, if you are not from Kentucky, you would not know. Like in Kentucky, we have one team and that's the University of Louisville's team. So I don't know. He goes to this community college, you know, and he, he goes to their games. I don't know. <laughs> so, so hold on now. I'm going to stop there. So as someone who worked at a community college, I amplify, highlight, Yes. Yeah, okay. Not community college. Yeah, so that's we, right. That is. And right. I'm going to I'm going to pass this on and amplify the name of, of one of my former because I used to be a, a college basketball coach. I coached at Ohio Northern University. One of my former players is the head coach at Lakeland College um, okay. in Ohio, and his team is phenomenal. So we're going to big up. That's that right. You are. Y'all, I do. Let me take that back about the community college. Day. But, you know, so UK is like a little in-state rival, you all. And so that's what. So he 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 is he's he, you know, he went to University of Kentucky and the rest of us in Kentucky, <clears throat> we support the red team. So anyway, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So you, um, so he, the sports and all that. And then, um, and lastly, give us some tips. Like, just let us know as far as um, what would you suggest that the rest of us do, someone else that's listening or watching might do to um, make impact where they are. You know, what is it that they can do? Because everybody can do something. You know, it doesn't take anything grand to do something that means something and matters and lasting. So what, do you, what are your suggestions there? Absolutely. So as a practitioner, my work focuses on diversity, equity, inclusion. So I'm a DEI practitioner. So of course, I'm going to give you a couple of things that I think are important in any organization that you can focus on. First and foremost, getting involved in your organization and in your community. So I would challenge folks uh, to join at least one organization. If you have employee resource groups, get involved with one that, that meets your needs and your interests and connect with there. Uh, of course, in the community, I would encourage you to uh, connect with a, a, an organization that you can volunteer for and one that you can connect with our youth to help provide an example uh, yes. and possibly serve as a mentor to them. So that's that's one of the pieces that I would offer. The other, which I think is critical for all of us, is to take advantage of some kind of training that promotes um, difficult dialogue. What we're lacking right now in society uh, are the appropriate skills to dialogue, discuss critical issues that we might agree or disagree on. Yeah. And it's fine to, to agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. Having right. the skills and understanding to do so, I think could get us in a much better place in society. And for those of us who do this work, whether it's the work around difficult dialogue series or having uh, tough conversations, cultural conversation hours, yeah. which is a series that we put um, at another institution that I work for. Having the skills to appropriately have difficult dialogue, I think, yeah. can help us 
get in much better place. So I would encourage that. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, and, and I know personally, someone was just recently telling me of an experience where someone dismissed um, their experience as an African-American, you know, and kind of like, that's not our problem. We don't have that here, you know, and then the coworker actually attended a training um, on skills to, you know, for to to be able to engage in difficult dialogue and was able to come back um, and apologize to the person I was speaking with and say, hey, I didn't realize that this was your experience and that I didn't validate it previously, but, you know, and I'm sorry, you know, and whatever, and they were able to engage um, a bit better. And so that, I think that second tip is, is key, you know, absolutely. So Clyde, I thank you so much for sharing your time, especially on a Saturday. Um, I feel like I learned so much more. And of course, I look forward to following. How can anyone follow you um, on social media or if they want to, you know, kind of connect or whatnot? How, how can they do that? What are your handles? Absolutely. I'm at Twitter at CWPICK. Uh, and so find me there um, on um, uh, Instagram, IG, uh, at Bespoken Soul. And so look forward to uh, sharing parts of my, my journey. Yeah. Uh, of course, professionally, um, you can follow my work. Um, I, I'm at the University of Pittsburgh. I serve as the vice chancellor and chief diversity officer. And so there are a number of different programs and initiatives that are available to all. Um, we have a racial equity consciousness series that I would invite folks to be a part of and look forward to seeing you on social media and beyond. And so thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been awesome, Clyde. Thank you. And for you guys that are watching, thank you. Make sure that you please subscribe and follow Clyde and all those good things. I cannot wait to see you guys again. And until then, be blessed. It is awesome to listen to my show. But wouldn't it be amazing if you could launch your very own Go from listening to launching when you pick up my new book called Is This Thing On? The Super Simple Guide to Planning, Launching, and Scaling Your Podcast. And of course, it was written by a podcaster for new and aspiring podcasters. Think of it as business strategy meets podcasting 101. So yeah, anyone can launch a podcast. That's the easy part. But not everyone understands the business and brand strategy behind operating a podcast, be it if you're doing it just for yourself and for pleasure as a hobby, or if you're doing it to get more eyes on your brand. Either way, this book, this project is for you. Visit organizedenergy.co slash shop. Again, organizedenergy.co backslash shop. I've got some goodies for you. I want you to visit organizedenergy.co slash spill the tea. Organizedenergy.co slash spill the tea. I have curated a list of some of the favorite tools and resources that I use as I operate my business that have been amazing for me. They have helped me to save time. They have helped me to build my team. They have helped me to stay connected with my people. And I absolutely love so many of these tools. 
I want to share them with you and it's free to download. So again, go to organizedenergy.co slash spill the tea so that I can help you get started working smarter and not harder. Again, and as always, I want to thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Okay, thank you. I appreciate the fact that you shared your time with me. That's number one. Number two, I always tell you guys as I close out my show that I love you. I remind you that God loves you. And I want you to make sure that you love you. Okay, I love you. God loves you. I want to make sure that you love you. Now, if you enjoyed this show and what you heard today, I ask that you do me a favor as my bestie. Would you please go over to Apple Podcasts, to Spotify, and um, wherever else you listen that has the opportunity for you to rate and review. I would love for you to rate the show and to leave a meaningful review. I want to make sure that you also have subscribed to the show and that you will share it with someone that you think would really enjoy it like you do. Okay, I truly appreciate you. I really do love you. And I cannot wait for you to join me again on the next episode. Have the absolute best week ever.